Good morning, church. We're going to be looking at the very last set of verses just at the end of the book of Matthew. So if you want to find that, it might be easier to find Mark and then turn back a page. Um, before we get into that, I want to um, recognize Bill Rollins here with us, our director of missions. We're grateful to have him as our guest this morning. I know that uh, Bill does a, a, a thankless work, and directors of missions oftentimes get very little recognition, and we're grateful for him. So, Bill, thank you for being here. Teresa, his wife, is with him. We're grateful for them. This morning, um, we're going to just continue into our series. We're talking about harvest. We've been talking about harvest for um, just a couple of weeks now. And so we are excited about what it means to look at all of the different aspects. And so the first one was about preparation and getting the soil ready and considering what would grow there and understanding moisture content and all that stuff. You know, the, the illustration of an actual plant is not lost on us that it's like a church. And so today we're going to talk about actual planting. So, and we're going to use a passage that speaks to the spiritual aspect of what Jesus taught us to do in the Great Commission. So when you find Matthew chapter 28, if you'll look to verse number 16, and once you find it, will you stand in honor of God's word with me? Matthew chapter 28, verse number 16 says this. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that as we come to Scripture, we are reminded that you have given a commission to each and every believer, to that early church, Lord, to us even now, that we ought to embrace the process of going and sharing, planting into the lives of others the truth of the gospel, Lord, and discipleship and making, making sure they know everything that you taught. I ask, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, as we look to these scriptures to become harvesters because we are first planters. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, it has been an amazing week, and we have another full week and a part of a week in front of us with regard to everything that's happening in the church. I don't know if you've had an opportunity. Many in here have already had an opportunity just to come out and hang out at the pumpkin patch, and we had a big outreach yesterday to our community, and um, man, it was neat, thriving just to see people coming and going and hanging out with their children and all the things. We've got a couple field trips scheduled that are going to come out here at the end of the week. And if you want to know how you can help with any of that, just see me or Andrea. Barrick will plug you in. We'll help you. If you're not on the schedule and you're thinking, hey, i got a few extra hours and I just want to come hang out from 11 to 7, any time in that window, any day this upcoming week, we would love to have you. You don't have to be on the list. Just come see us and we'll, and we'll visit with you. I've had more ministry opportunities just from interacting with our own people that have come out to hang out, opportunity to know more about them, them to know more about me, life on life. It's really exciting. Well, that being said, there's a beautiful picture and what you see out there of what has already been harvested. The pumpkins have already been harvested and they're ready for people to take them home and to, to do with them according to their plan and, and all their excitement for the season. But there's something for us that when we look at the Bible, that oftentimes we are reminded of different opportunities. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when I talked about an avocado tree in my backyard that didn't do anything and then I hit it barely with the lawnmower and it fell over? It was just, it was, it was pitiful, right? 
I'm reminded of another plant that also was in my backyard that thrived. Another plant that was planted was a, a, a blackberry shrub, bush, whatever, climbing up the thing. I mean, it is, it is amazing. My wife, she succeeded with that one, and it was, it was amazing to watch it. Now, I'll tell you what, when she plants something in my backyard, you know what I think? Something else for me to mow around, okay? And if you're like me, you don't like to weed eat and stuff, and if I get close to that thing with a weed eater, it might die, so I might be the number one killer of plants in my, in my house. I joke about this, but the amazing thing there is that we watched it planted and grown and then harvested from it. And there's this picture of everything that's there, of all of the necessary things, all of the steps, the preparation, the planting, the weeding, the watering, all the things we're going to talk about over the course of the next several weeks. But today specifically, I want you to look with me as we look at the verses. Something in, is really powerfully happening in the Bible here because Jesus has already died and he has been raised from the dead, and he is about to ascend to heaven, and he is giving some final instructions to his church, to his, his group of followers. But there's something that I want you to see before we get into the main points of the sermon. There's this little glimpse in 16 and 17 where it talks about the attitude of the people around him. It says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshiped him but some doubted. I suggested in this even audience right here that there are some that are here to worship and are excited about it, but there are some that are not yet convinced. And that's okay. There's no better place to be in the whole world than in church, in my opinion, because in this place, you might not become a Christian from sitting in here, but I guarantee it's a lot more likely than if you sit somewhere else. You know, sitting in a, in a garage does not make you a car, but sitting in a garage will never make you a car. Sitting in a church, you might just hear enough that'll change your life here. And I just hope that you understand that when you come here that you might be in a position where you've come to worship or you're coming because you're not certain and you're watching other people worship and you wonder how real it really is. And that's okay if that's you. We're excited that you're here. What comes next is a moment where Jesus looks to those who are in his number and he gives them instruction. And that instruction defines generations of church work, generations of believers to go forward and to do these simple steps. I didn't say easy. I said simple. You know, oftentimes it's like, well, what's the, what's the model here? You know, I could tell you there's some simple things that have to happen if you want to become a state champion in football or any other sport. You just have to go out and beat everybody to, to smithereens until you win enough games that, that you get into the playoffs. And then when you do that, you just have to win every game until you win the last one. Simple, right? Not easy, but pretty straightforward, we understand. The objective is to not lose, right? A lot of football teams yesterday were scraping along that, are we going to lose today for the first time? We see this picture here where Jesus just begins to lay out a plan. He says, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying. Now, I think it's powerful. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, and they went there, and they worshipped him. It says, and then Jesus came. And there's this kind of interesting disconnect between what's happening. They've come to the mount to, to worship him. And then it says, and then he comes. And it's like, so was Jesus present when they were worshiping? It's like, well, the language would lead us to believe that he's showing up in the process of their worship. And I want you to know there's something about that the scripture teaches us that God inhabits the praises of his people. That as we begin to worship him, we should expect for him to show up. And if he shows up, he's likely than to give us instruction that will change our life, that will 
give us a clear understanding of what we should do next. So if you want to interact with Jesus, you should begin to come into atmospheres where you should worship him. If you worship him, you should expect them for him to give you instruction that will change your life. If you came here just to worship and have reinforced everything that you already believe and not get anything new, you might be surprised that that might be a little less than what actually happens. The excitement for me is that when we come to church, we begin to see this opportunity where every single time we worship him, he shows up and gives us instruction. And oftentimes people will say things to me. They'll look at me and they'll say, man, that was really amazing. That was really amazing. And this is what I was thinking about while you were up there. And I was like, I wasn't talking about that at all. And I don't ever say that to people. I just say, that's amazing. God is good. And I'm thinking, God has really got a hold of that one because, man, that's not where I was headed. The, the amazing thing is that Jesus just shows up and he begins to teach. And he says, all authority. Everyone say, all authority. I heard a really nice slice right here. Uh, you'll get another opportunity when we get to the rest. I want all of you to kind of work together here as much as possible. Says, but he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Where is Jesus in charge? Everywhere. In heaven and on earth, all authority. Have you ever been put in charge of something and you didn't know if you wanted to be put in charge of it? Somebody says, well, now it's your responsibility. And you're like, wow, you know, there's moments in my life, and I don't know about you, but you probably have a key ring, and mine is not with me. This morning I handed it to somebody to go get something out of my vehicle and didn't get it back yet. But you, you know what I'm talking about? There are those people out there that have a car key and a house key, and that's it. And then there are other people that look like janitors, 500 keys. Some people, it's a security issue. They have to have the key to that little toolbox in their garage with them all the time. And some people, it's, it's just they got lots of doors that they have to be in charge of, right? The more responsible you become for things, the more keys are there out there. And the smarter you become about it, the more keys you give away to other people to manage while you manage them, right? I mean, so your key ring might get smaller again. But the truth is, is that there's this picture of authority, and Jesus has been given all of this authority. The Bible tells us that he was given the keys to death and hell, and we see this picture. All authority. But we act and we treat him. You know, we spent weeks talking about how he was king over everything. But immediately, we begin to see that he is declaring it to us. I have the authority. In heaven and on earth. And then he gives us this iconic phrase that we have been champions of in Baptist life. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And some of us in this room have studied this so long and memorized it and we have it at our heart's core. And we're good at knowing what it says, but are we good at doing what it tells us to do? You see, the very first step and the very first question on your, on your outline this morning is, where should I plant? It's pretty simple. Wherever you go. The very first word says go. Everyone say go. You're getting better. We're going to keep doing it. Don't worry. He says go. And so here's the thing. You had to leave your house to come here. That's some going. And when you leave here, you'll go somewhere else. You might not be home. It might be to the restaurant. It might be to the search committee meeting. It might be to the pumpkin patch. It might be wherever you're going to go. Go. And he just tells us that we should go and we should do something while we're going. Quite literally, as you're going. Do it all the time. And there's this picture. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. 
man, there's so much to unpack here. But if you're going, then you should plant wherever you go. Right? And you're like, okay. That seems pretty straightforward. You know what I think, and, and this is something, and this is something that I wrestle with, and it's something that's real. And even in my own position, even in my own responsibilities, I have to battle this. Because we get into set routines, and we talk to the same people, and we don't always see new faces, and we forget that we should be doing something as we're doing this. And oftentimes, the reality is we have to work against this. Because what I think it happens in, in our structure is, is that we get all hyped up to go out and talk to people about Jesus, and we get, out, get all hyped up to go out and do it, and we have these small momentary moments where we, where we focus our energy and we do it. And most of the time, we're not doing it at all, but we do it for this time, and then we feel good about it, and we pat ourselves on the back, and we say, but don't you remember when we had that one couple of hours where we went out and really talked to people about Jesus? We knocked on doors. We invited people to church. We, we worked in the pumpkin patch. We talked to people. We prayed for people. And we did this for this really concentrated piece of time, and we feel good. But I think it should be the opposite, where we have little bits of time where we don't do it and lots of time where we are doing it. That's what he's saying here. As you go, do this as you go. So wherever you're going, that's where you should do it. And we see the picture. It goes on, and we see it continue to unfold. It says, you know, the, this picture is so the, the when is tied right to the where. When should I plant? Well, whenever. It's not just wherever, but it's whenever. You know, I don't know about you, but there's something to be said about the, the casual conversations and something that you need to hear me say, and that is there are people that you know in your life that are good people, that you just, you just know them and they know you and you have kind of a, a deeper than just acquaintance understanding of their life. And those people, if you're not concerned about their eternity, then you're not thinking deep enough about this commission, about this planting. And I'm gonna challenge you you know, what, what I know and what I tell people frequently is that we take seriously everybody who asks the question about it because we know, we know that nothing is promised. I, I sat in a locker room my senior year in high school and I put my, I was able to pick my own locker and I picked my locker because the seniors got their first pick and I put my stuff in the locker. And you know, the funny thing about that locker is, is that the guy who had graduated that I got that locker from had been our quarterback. And so I took his locker, sat up on the front row, right there in the middle of all this stuff. A year goes by from the time that he graduates to the time I'm getting ready to graduate and the news comes across the, the, the Tulsa, Tulsa world. Young man killed in his front yard. That was the quarterback that I played high school football when I was a junior in high school. And you know what struck me, the conviction that struck me is? I stood in a huddle with him three hours a day for weeks on end and then all the way through off-season practice and every, every week for, for a couple of years before he graduated. And he's dead and gone to glory and I never once talked to him about Jesus. Don't make those kinds of mistakes. We thought somebody's gonna come across his track. Somebody's gonna know him. Somebody's gonna meet him. And you're missing it. You're supposed to be the planter here. You see, we love to see the altar full but we ask ourselves, if we want to see the altar full of people making decisions to follow Jesus, then what we should be doing is planting seeds every day so that we know when the harvest comes, they'll be ready. The problem is, is what happens is, is that we expect a couple of people to do it, and then we celebrate it. And that's broken. So, so where should you do it? Wherever. When should you do it? Whenever. He tells us to make disciples of all the nations. 
man, there's not enough time to unpack all the things I want to unpack about this, but there's something to be said about the who. And I don't even have a point for the who this morning. Um, well, no, I do. I do have a point for the who, excuse me. You're, everybody's like, I'm looking at the thing. It says who. No. But the picture of the who here in this is real, is real clear. It says all nations. Did it say some nations? You guys are not with me anymore. Brother Ben lost you. I took a turn. I want to challenge you, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to, and I'm going to hit you hard with this one, and I don't ask forgiveness or permission to do it. When you look around church and everybody around church looks kind of like you, you are not reaching all nations. And too many of the churches in the lands that I, that I, that I have pastored in and have preached in, when I look around, the, the room looks very much the same. And I always ask myself, you know, when we were on the Gulf Coast, the diversity was strong, but the church was very much not. And I always ask myself, what, what, what? This part of the, the sin part of our, of our motto, of our purpose, is about getting to all nations. Honduras is on our radar. Zambia is on our radar. Begs needs to be on our radar first. And begs is not all, is not all the same. Begs is a variety. And we need to be serious about that. We need to be serious about it. And not for the sake of trophy hunting, but for the sake of just caring about every single person, just caring about everybody. He says all of the people. And you need to be serious about it. And if you don't like that part, you are welcome to file a complaint with my supervisor. Don't, please don't come to me tomorrow and say, Brother Ben, I don't like that part. I will not hear you. I will say, God bless you. I'm sorting the junk mail right now too, so I'll just file that one and you can keep coming and talk to me about something that really matters. I want you to love all nations, amen? amen. And you know why I want you to? Because God told us to. We're going to disciple all of them, not just the ones we like. We see this picture right now, and if you ever needed an opportunity to be reminded to pray for the world, whenever war breaks out in places like Israel and, and man, in Eastern Europe and all over, trust me, if it doesn't heighten your awareness that the world around us is in desperate need of the gospel, then you are missing it. With every person that dies on the battlefield that doesn't know Jesus, hell is busted wide open. And the proof for us that Jesus has told us the indictment is not on him, it's on us because we're supposed to reach the whole world. And whenever he kicked it off, the time started ticking and he started telling us to do it. And the problem that we have is what? That we do it a little bit and we get proud of ourselves and we forget to do it all the time. So if you're not being challenged at this moment, man, don't get too excited because there's more coming. There's a picture here in the scriptures that it continues to read on. It tells us about this making disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And point number three is at the very bottom, and I'll come back and get four and five, but bear with me. We're not done yet. Don't close your Bible. How long should I plant? It says it right there at the very end. He's like, I'm with you to the end of the age. If he's with us to the end of the age, we got work to do. If you're still here, you've got work to do. You have a direct command from your king, which is the why, by the way. That's coming up. 
You're commissioned to do this, do this by the king who is t- over your time and over your possession and over your life and over your death. He is king over all these things. We covered this ground. And you need to know that if he commissions you to go do this, then you ought to get out there and go do this. And the exciting part for us is that when we look at this story, we understand that how long should I be doing it? I should be doing it until he takes me home. One of the greatest things that was, that was a burden on me, a passion fell on me when my pastor said it when I was a kid, the mentor over my calling. He said, far too long have men told me in their lives that they had waited too long to serve the Lord, and they wished they hadn't waited so long. I sat in his, in his church when I was just a teenager, and he said that, and God began to call me out into ministry, and I began to say, yes, Lord, right then. And from the time I was just, just barely an old boy and a young man, when I said yes, and I just decided I was going to serve Jesus for the rest of my life, and I wasn't going to have that comment and be part of my narrative, that I wouldn't say I waited. You know, you look upon a situation, and people have told me I've been young my whole life, and some of you would say I'm young. I'm getting to a point where people won't say it anymore, and that's okay with me. But when I was 25, people say, well, he's just young. By that time, I'd been serving the Lord for over six years. 20 years from then, now. Don't wait. What are you waiting for? How long should you do it? Start right now and do it until the end. Do whatever you can for the gospel. Do whatever you can. I don't know about you, but if you want to see a harvest, you got to say, well, it's my responsibility to get here and plant these rows. This is my responsibility. Well, how much can you get to? How much ever you can get to, that's what we want from you. I turned the mic off so you didn't have to hear that. It's been building for a couple of minutes now. We get this moment where we have this opportunity to see the scriptures tell us this, this how long should I go do this? And what I know is, is that oftentimes what will happen, and there is a moment by which we hand the baton to other people to take on some of the responsibilities that happen. I want to celebrate that baton passing with you. We are running this race. It's a long race. And some responsibilities become too much burden for some of us as we get older. I am not here to browbeat you with that. I'm here to say, graciously hand that baton to the next generation so that they can run the next leg of the race. You have a role now to cheerlead and coach those people who are running the next leg and do what you can where you are. Not to be guilted into working until you can't do, you can't see straight. This is a a harmonious partnership. You know what I've noticed in churches? That sometimes a generation will hold on to the baton forever and then they'll fight with the other part of the generation that wants to take it from them and wants to run the next leg. And instead of being willing to pass it on graciously and work in a partnership, they fight. The how long should we do this? This is until the end of the age. If you want the next leg to be planted, there's going to be a point where you need to hand a baton to somebody and say, keep running. I'm going to cheer from you from here. And you're going to say, I can't get out after dark anymore, but I'm going to pray tonight while that thing is happening. Or man, I don't do that anymore because I just can't handle the cold, but I'm going to pray while you go and do that. Or man, I'm going to make sure that you have everything you need to go do that. Or man, I can't stand the way I used to stand, but I'm going to ask you to do it. And you know what? This is where we got that stuff from. And this is what we did. And this is how many we prepared for. And you're going to coach. You're not just going to walk off. Your planting might be to tell us where to get the seed. Your planting might be to to be a part of the situation. How long should you do it? You should do it forever. When I go home to glory, I don't want to look up and say, I took the last two two decades off because the next generation came up under me. I want to do it till I die. And some some of you are saying, I hope he doesn't die soon, you know. And some of you are saying, I hope he does. This sermon's getting, getting on my nerves. Planting is hard work, though. 
Because a systematic, regular operation of doing a thing over and over and over, understanding what plant, what, what amount of life needs to be given to somebody, what part needs to go right here, what will grow right here. And sometimes when you investigate somebody's life and you get to know them, part of being a great planter is understanding that you're going to meet people where they are and you're going to put the seed of the gospel right when they need it. And you're going to be serious about it. If you're not sure about sharing the gospel, ask God for courage and boldness. I am convinced that if you will ask him, he will carry you the sufficient distance. Some of us let our fear disable us and we don't do it. We see the picture, don't we? We get to point number four. And we said, we've already talked a little bit about this, the why should I plant? It's because our king commissions us. But I, I think it's bigger than that. I mean, that's enough for me, but I think that there's another piece of this that I want to talk about this morning. And that is because I have great gratitude for being rescued. See, I delve into the planting because I know that I was hopeless and helpless without the gospel. And then when he saved me and he rescued me, what happened next is this. I had a king for every single situation in my life that I could cry out to. I didn't recognize that for some years to come, by the way. And once I finally understood that, then I began to see, this is not just about what he's done for me and rescued me. This is about what he could do for everyone. And I'm standing here telling you what another preacher said to me, and I don't know where he got it from. He probably didn't write it. But I'm a beggar who found some bread. And I'm telling all the other beggars where the bread is. And if you don't learn to tell the other beggars where the bread is, you become selfish in your gospel experience where you become saved and you become redeemed and you become one who celebrates your salvation, but you never plant in anybody else's life. Hey, let's just tell everybody, hey, the bread truck is right here. I'll take you to it. I'm not starving anymore. I'm redeemed. You can be too. And so the, the deep gratitude of the why I do this, my king tells me to do it. But my obedience to my king is grateful. It's not... It's not a chore. It's not, it's not a measure of me being, me being run by a taskmaster. This is me being a willing servant. A willing servant. Are you a willing servant this morning, church? One who just takes this message. We go all the way through the, through the course of this. And the thing that I want you to see is the, is the what. What should I plant? This is a great question. This is a great question, and, and I, I, it happens, and people misunderstand it, okay? We can plant all the wrong things, and we can dress it up under the umbrella of church and under, under good works. We should plant the good news of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what we should plant. You know what's really cool? When we talk to the missions ladies, they're, they're want to get more people on board about coming to missions. They do this once a month. They want to talk about the good news going all around the world, all the nations. When the craft ladies meet, they're doing crafts, and I'm challenging them to do crafts that meet needs in our community, that fund missions, or that do things right here locally. I don't know, and they probably get, get really fussy with me about doing this, but a couple of weeks ago, I asked them, Hey, it's been several now. It's way back when it was hot outside, and that's how far out I'm thinking. I'm thinking about the cold when it's hot outside because I sweat. Okay, Some of you will get that later, but you understand, right? Anybody in here looking forward to cooler days? You're thinking it's already middle of, of October, and there's not enough cold weather for me yet? 
don't worry, it'll be okay, it's coming. When it's hot outside and I'm sweating, I'm thinking, man, it's going to get cold and kids are going to need things. And so I went to our craft ladies and said, hey, we got a bunch of fleece. Can you just make some stocking caps? We're just going to give them away. We're going to give them to the kids in the school. We're going to give them to whoever. And the ladies were like, what are you talking about? And I took out a model that I had from a previous project that some ladies worked on in another church. And they took it from me and they ran with it. And they made beyond. They made beyond what I asked for them. Delivered to your local school. You see, they're not just doing crafts to do crafts. They're doing crafts because they are trying to spread this good news about Jesus, about God the Father, about the Holy Spirit. They make these crafts out here that are on the table. I know some, some don't, don't agree with, the, with, you know, whatever. This is mission fundraising, guys. The pumpkins out here, that's mission fundraising. So that the gospel might be taken to all the nations. But you know what we're doing right when that's happening? We're doing something right here in Begs where we're getting to minister to lots of people in Begs. You see how it overlaps? See, that seed is falling not just in Honduras and in Zambia, but it's falling right here too. And we are, we are planting vigorously. Come plant with us. Come plant with us. Come take this message. Trunk or treat, the whole community will, will come out here and they'll see us. Come plant with us. We just see the picture, don't you see it? We should plant this good news with every bit of candy. The good news of Jesus. Why do you do this? It's one of my favorite questions. People say, I don't understand why you're doing this. I'll tell you why we're doing it. Because Jesus saved a sinner like me. And he can save a sinner like you. That's the whole why. My king rescued me. And he can rescue you. Do you want that in your life? I don't know about you, but we see these pictures. And I'm reminded, and I told you that story earlier of the, of the, the young man that, that perished over something trivial, by the way, a dispute over a, his little brother's bicycle in a bad part of town. Man, it motivated me. It motivated me. I was stunned. I was shocked. Two people that I graduated high school or that I, was, that I was during my graduation week, two people that I knew, one who had graduated with us or graduated the year before us and one who was graduating with us, both, and within a matter of a week's time. We see it all over the map right now. Young people, accidents. I tell the young that I work with, no day is, is promised to you. There's none of, this, none of this expectation of forever. So what I'm gonna challenge you on is understanding. The reason we plant wherever we go, whenever we go, the reason we plant what we plant and the reason we plant with whom we plant is because we know that no one is promised. Don't wait a minute longer to talk to your loved ones. Some of us need to double down on our commitment today and say, it's, it's not a little bit of planting, it's a lot of planting and a little bit of relaxation. It's not a lot of relaxation and feeling good about a little bit of planting anymore. And we need to come to Jesus and we need to say, Jesus, use me as a planter wherever I go, whenever I go. I wanna be available to you wherever I go, whenever I go. And if that's not you already, then in the moment when we, we break to pray, I want you to come and I want you to cry out and say, Lord, make me a better planter. Give me courage to plant when I can, wherever I can, because it's my responsibility to obey my king because he has rescued me. Stand with me today. Would you bow your heads and let us pray together. Lord, we thank you that as we've come into your house, Lord, that we have been challenged to plant, to plant this gospel as a measure of commissioning because you have rescued us. And we want to give this life everywhere to everyone 
to the whole world. But we want to start right here with our own neighbors, with our own friends, with our own family. Lord, I ask this morning that we would be about the business of planting, that we would be about the business of doing it whenever and wherever because you told us to, because it's this important truth of the gospel. I ask, Lord, that you would challenge us, Lord, to to double and triple our efforts, Lord, to pass the baton, but coach and cheerlead those who carry it, Lord, to be committed to the peace of being a part of every single aspect of it until you call us home. Lord, there's not one in here that's too young or one in here that's too old to help in this process. I pray, Lord, that this planting would include us from the youngest to the oldest. And let us each and every one bend our knee and bow our head to you today to say, I commit to planting. Planting every bit of this gospel. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.